Hello and welcome to Revolutionary Ideas, the monthly podcast of Marxism from Socialist Alternative. One central issue for socialists is the oppression of women. From the very earliest class societies, women's oppression has been central to oppression in other areas of life, including in the workplace. But how is that the case? And what can socialists, workers and trade union activists actually do to challenge this? To address these questions on today's episode, Yara will be interviewing Sarah Rack from Socialist Alternative's political committee and Katia Hanker from Socialist Alternative's sister organisation in Ireland, the Socialist Party. And she is also an activist with Rosa, the Socialist Feminist Campaign. This episode of Revolutionary Ideas will also be a two-parter. Make sure to tune in in a week's time to hear part two. But first, I'll pass over to Yara. Take it away, Yara. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Revolutionary Ideas. My name is Yara, and here with me today are Sarah from the Political Committee of Socialist Alternative in England, Wales, and Scotland. Hi, Sarah. And we've also got Katya from our sister organization, Ireland, which is a socialist party. Hi, Katya. Hey, how you doing? Um, so Socialist Alternative is a member of International Socialist Alternative, which is an international organization with members in over 30 countries all around the world. So make sure to check it out at our website, which is internationalsocialist.net. Now, this month's episode is about a really important subject uh, that I think all of us are going to be very interested to listen to, which is socialist feminism and how socialism is connected to feminism. So... I think we all know what socialism is, I'm assuming if we're listening to this podcast, and we also all know what feminism is, but what, what's actually the connection between the two? How, how is opposing sexism connected to opposing capitalism? What do you think, Sarah? Well, I suppose the starting point is kind of what, what does capitalism today mean for women? Um, and within that, I think, you know, you begin to see the link between the two things. So um the fact that there's still in the uk uh, at least a 17 percent pay gap between men and women for example um the fact that 25 percent of women will experience domestic violence at some point in their lifetime um the fact that um unpaid work within the home uh, by women is thought to be worth 140 billion pounds a year um in terms of cleaning cooking childcare, and and those kind of things that kind of um, shows the, uh, just a glimpse of the position of women um, under capitalism. Uh, in, and that's in an advanced capitalist country, let alone if you talk about um, some of the you know, horrifying situations in uh, poorer countries in the, in the neo-colonial world. Um, so I think that gives kind of, yeah, an indication of the link. I suppose something I think is important to say from the start is, of course, all women suffer um, oppression that the oppression of women impacts women of all classes. So by saying there's a link between capitalism and um, women's oppression, that's not saying that women who are richer or, or even like women of the capitalist class um, don't suffer from women's oppression because things like domestic violence, sexual harassment, um, discrimination, limits on reproductive rights, all of those things impact all women. Um, and I think that's something that we've particularly seen in the last few months, actually, under um, the in the COVID crisis, under lockdown, for example, things like um, that women have 
across all income bands, women have done more childcare and homeschooling um, than uh, men within the home, for example, um, shows that, you know, every, everyone can be impacted. But there is a class difference within that. Um, and also for us, it's about how can we change things? But we should come back to that. Yeah, I think that point is important about all women are affected, but there's a difference in how women are affected. Um, for instance, the issue of domestic violence, while it's an equally horrifying experience for any woman uh, to ever have to go through, it is different if you are wealthy, have the independent independent means to get out of a, an, a, an abusive relationship, um, and you know, and, and are able to to escape. Where actually many working class women, uh, for instance, here in Ireland, where there's a housing crisis for the moment, are simply forced to stay in a relationship because there's they know there's no alternative uh, for them and any children they have. Um, in terms of, of either it's homelessness, literally living from hotel to hotel, or being stuck at home in an abusive relationship. And obviously that has to do with your financial capacity, with your class background, um, uh, that what means you have to escape from the type of oppression that every woman suffers, you know? Uh, and that's just one practical example, but I think we, we can all see how that plays out in, in, in different situations. Women are, in workplaces suffer from uh, sexual harassment, no matter uh, whether they're from a middle class background or a working class background. But if you're in a precarious contract, uh, depending on extra hours to make anything more than the absolute minimum wage, um, it's obviously, and, and on, you know, non-unionized workplaces, it's gonna be much harder to fight back than if you are in a position of, 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 of uh, a well-unionized workplace, uh, but, good pay or in a, in a management position for instance you know yeah I really agree with that and I think it's kind of like working class women suffer from a double oppression of being women and also being working class but then there's also a different type of oppression to maybe working class men but also ruling class women uh, even though they're both still oppressed but in different ways and I was wondering we're saying that it's connected to capitalism obviously although we talked about is about the situation today which is under capitalism but I was wondering is is this something that you think that capitalism perpetuates do you think that it's something that cap capitalism benefits from or do you think it's just kind of like a side effect that's sort of happened but capitalism is really trying to fight um for equality because it's it's a it, it it kind of tries to present itself as this individualistic system that you know has this meritocracy everyone benefits from uh, just being good at something but we see that that's not the case when it comes to working class people but specifically like women uh, in in this context that we're talking about now so do you think capitalism benefits from it or do you think that is just something that we are fighting now and the conf under the confines of capitalism. I think that, um, I mean, that one figure that I gave, for example, about the value of the unpaid work of women is one way that capitalism kind of materially benefits um, from the oppression of women. Um, but there's also kind of, what is the impact of um, the oppression of women generally on the system? And I think uh, that, um, any kind of division created between ordinary people um, can be a benefit to the capitalist system. So, um, you know, the idea that 
um, one type of people, whether that's uh, based on gender or race or sexuality or anything, are kind of superior to another and that there's a conflict between different groups of working class people um, that kind of inhibits the ability of working class people to unite across those different differences and fight back against um, the capitalist system. The oppression of women did not begin with capitalism and we can discuss that in a minute um, about it kind of goes back further than that but I think that it's certainly the case that capitalism doesn't have an interest in ending the oppression of women and in fact that it's not possible as well to end the oppression of women uh, within capitalism. I, I think that's a really interesting point actually about how on, because there's a massive contradiction actually if you look at how capitalism on the one hand is based on oppression it's based on, on dividing working class people in every way possible so women's oppression comes in handy enough um, in terms of underpaying women literally uh, paying women less uh, but also entire sectors uh, being undervalued uh, and I think actually uh, our recent experience in COVID has really really brought that out um, teachers have been systematically undervalued and being paid less and less over the last 30, 40 years relative to, to their experience. Um, similarly, the health sector uh, and, 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 you know, but leave alone cleaners, people in the retail sector. And then all of a sudden, uh, over the last few months, we found out actually that these are frontline workers, essential workers, workers that are absolutely uh, key to, to our, our, our lives, you know even though we've been told for years and years that this is secondary work, work care work, that, that, uh, that, that doesn't have to pay, be paid that much. So you've got that, you know, capitalism benefiting from all of this labor and underpaying it massively and undervaluing it massively and, and combining that with an ideological offensive to, to uh, justify what it, why this is happening. But on the other hand, capitalism is the first kind of, of social and economic system that forced women back out of the house for, for a very long period. You know, if you, if you look back over previous ways of organizing society from feudalism to slavery and so on, what they all have in common is that they forced women into the home and that they turned what was social reproduction in the broadest sense of the word, social work uh, or socialized work in completely into the private sphere, into the individual household. Um, and capitalism actually has reversed that trend in the sense of it's forcing women back out of the home into the workplace. And in that sense, actually also provides women with the opportunity to organize collectively much more effectively than any previous system did. Because, you know, you have the same opportunities of, of getting unionized, of, of meeting other people in, in a work sphere, and actually having power as a worker to uh, fight the, uh, the exploitation and the oppression that you're suffering. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I also think that, you know, even though capitalism is pushing women into the workforce, it's still pushing them into the home at the same time. So in, in some ways, it's even harder for women now because women are expected to also go and make money outside of the house. Not because capitalism is such a, you know, a progressive system that wants to see women in the workforce, but because it's driven wages so, so low that now a household can't really, can't really have enough means without two people going to work and two people making money. And even then, you know, it's still a struggle. Um, but at the same time, they are still expected to do all of that paid work, that unpaid work that Sarah was talking about, 
They're still expected to care for the children. They're still ex expected to cook. They're still expected to clean. Um, but they have less time in the day to do that. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the, the, the points about kind of the economic oppression of women are really, really strong. Uh, often kind of representatives of capitalism will try and claim that they have an interest in ending the oppression of one group or another and often you know representatives of capitalism will say that they're against sexism and this kind of thing but I think that this is a good example of how even when capitalism gives something with one hand it always man you know this is a system turns it to the advantage of capitalism with the other hand so yes um, women have been kind of you know, given what most women correctly see as opportunities to do more than previous generations of women could um, to have careers um, and that kind of thing. And in fact, um, many women have found that the burden of the unpaid work has been lifted because they don't necessarily have to spend all their time in the home uh, doing all of the childcare, all of the housework and stuff. But how has that been overcome? it's by in fact getting poorer women to do many of those tasks. So, you know, the, this, and the, the ideology that women have kind of a natural affinity to the tasks that exist within the home is then used to super exploit um, poorer women to do the same jobs and be paid, you know, peanuts for doing it. Um, so yeah, I think that it's just an interesting example of how capitalism kind of, um, yeah, it, it exploits gains, uh, that it gives as well and i think it also kind of connects to the whole you know system of getting workers from other countries from poorer neo-colonial countries into the richer countries to oppress women even further um which i think you know just points to you know, the international nature of the way that capitalism oppresses working class people but also women and any kind of oppressed group to be fair and I was wondering, because we're talking a lot about economic oppression, which I think is a central point, not just when we talk about socialist feminism, but I think generally about feminism, like we, we, can't, we can't really have equality if we don't have economic equality. We can't have liberation if we don't, you know, if we, we don't have enough money to be genuinely free and to genuinely make our choices. But I think we, we also touched a little bit at the start um, on another kind of oppression which i think is like is really important which is sexual oppression and i think the connection to capitalism there is maybe slightly less clear and i was wondering katya what, what what do you think about that do you think that capitalism benefits from other kinds of oppression i think it's an extension of those um contradictions that we, we just named on, on the economic field that you also see in every other aspect of, of, of women's lives you know on the one hand we're supposed to be okay with a constant commercialization of women's bodies in every possible way uh, from you know offensive ads to much worse than that uh, the pushing of the, the porn industry and so on and so forth and on the other hand you're still uh, expected to to um, fit within the very neat bo box of what a woman is uh, supposed to do there's still slot shaming going on um, and so on and so forth you know um, on the you know on the one hand you see, you've got many examples of how women are supposed to do two completely opposing things from, from the economic point we made about, yes, you're supposed to be working, but at the same time, motherhood is expected. There's so much more expected of women now 
in, in terms of parenting and so on than there would have been in, the pre in, in previous decades, you know? If you don't have your kid painting by the age of two and, you know, at least reading three books a day by the age of four, you're completely failing as a parent to if you don't look the business from eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night go and work out in the gym three times but don't forget to work overtime in your minimum wage job as well you know and so on and so forth pressures are like expressed in every possible aspect of, of, of women's lives uh and and that includes sexual oppression i think in terms of, of, of how women feel massively uh, under pressure uh, uh on, in, in that field as well and that's extremely, extremely stressful, you know. And I think you can even see that in terms of how that uh, psychologically, uh, the, the, the pressure that women are under uh, is as big as it ever was. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think also, um, you know, as Marxists, we try and look at what is the impact on the way that society generally is organised on uh, the experience of ordinary people in all kinds of ways. And I think that is fair to say when you live in a society that has such massive um, different uh, situations facing men and women, as we've outlined. And that in general just teaches the idea that, um, you know, male power uh, over women should should be the, the norm um, that is inevitable that that then manifests at an individual level in violence by individual men against individual women and that is not at all to kind of excuse that and say well it's inevitable because this is the way society is um, but it is to recognize that it's not something that's naturally occurring it's something that stems from very um, deeply held reactionary ideas that are formulated from from the type of society that we uh, we live in it's one of the best things that for me has come out of the, the Me Too movement, for instance, is the highlighting of, of the fact that sexual harassment and so on is rooted, completely rooted in, in extremely unequal power relations. Um, and, you know, calling the bluff on the idea that this is just some kind of bizarre sexual attraction or something like that, but that it is completely rooted in, 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 in a lack of power on uh, from, from, for instance, female employees and so on in the workplace. And that as long as you keep those very unequal power relations in place, you're not really dealing with the root causes of, 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 of abusive situations. And that also goes back to how capitalism is organized, how it gives way more power to bosses and so on and so forth than it actually does to, to, to other people. And it doesn't treat people as complete human beings in the workplace or in other situations. Yeah? Yeah, and I also think that kind of even the fact that sex is kind of equal to power in our society is a really kind of striking point of that because why is it like that? Isn't sex meant to be something that's really equal between two people or more if they want to? But instead what happens is that it's seen like, you know, men having sex with women means women are losing power and men are gaining power. And I think that is inherent to the way that the capitalist system treats sexuality generally um, as kind of like done for the benefit of men, if not for the benefit of children, which is also for the benefit of men. And uh, I think that it, it really connects to the way that, you know, the capitalist system takes away power from even men 
in the context of the workplace um, because like, you know, there's been studies that show that when, uh, you know, when, when a worker is having a bad day at work and feeling like take, like, like the, the power, like the power is taken away from them by their boss, they lay, they then go out and take it out on the wife. They let her go out, like go back to the home and take it out on the children and on anyone who is weaker than them in the perception of the society. And like, it, it has to be kind of connected to the way the society is organized. And that I think this leads me to another question of why is sexuality like that? Why is capitalism benefiting from the way that it treats sexuality? Why is it doing that? Yeah, I think that this is a really fundamental question in terms of where does this whole system of oppression come from? Where, where do all these different systems of oppression come from? And um, for us as Marxists, one of the kind of foundational works to inform our, our views on this is um, The Origins of the Family, Private Property and the State by Frederick Engels, um, which is actually one of my favourite uh, Marxist books, definitely. And that's not just because it deals with the oppression of women and I'm kind of particularly interested in that issue. I think that it's really foundational in having a Marxist understanding of society at all and in, in what, um, what class society is, what capitalism is and the impact that that has on, um, on a whole number of things. And I think that the main point that, that that book is trying to kind of bring out is that the way that society is organised in a, a very broad general sense is a product of historical conditions and that the, the dominant um, mode of production, as we would say, the way that the economy is, is organised, uh, so today capitalism, um, has an impact on all other aspects of um, society. Um, and so, I mean, some of the specifics that Engels outlines in that, books, in that book um, have, since kind of been corrected by more recent research but the fundamental points that he makes remain absolutely um, correct which is that capitalism has not always existed um, and in fact a society divided into different classes has not always existed uh, and also the systematic oppression of women has not always existed and he draws out kind of the links between these two things and for us, that's very important because if something hasn't always existed, that's a clear sign that it doesn't have to continue to exist, um, which is what makes the ideas that Engels puts forward in that book uh, quite revolutionary, I suppose. I agree that it's a, an amazing book. And, and considering it was written in 1884 uh, as well, I think it makes some fantastic points um, I think there's a lot to be learned uh, from that book for Marxists in terms of a, of, a, of a method of analysis as well, of Engels basing himself on the best available research at the time. Um, and I, actually, I often get annoyed when, when, when people criticize this book saying, well, there's newer research out recently. Um, you know, well, kind of hard for Engels to use research 100 years after he wrote the book, you know. Um, the point, obviously, is he used the best available research uh, that, he, uh, um, that was there at the time, based himself on the latest uh, in, in terms of knowledge of previous societies and so on and so forth. But then with his analysis, went beyond 
those examples of anthropological research to draw out more, more general points. And those points are so important uh, for us and for anybody who wants to fight oppression, because if you want to fight oppression, you need to find the root causes of it if you really want to make a, a, a lasting difference. And Engels point out quite, quite clearly that the root causes are in the social organization of society. So they're not based on human nature and inherent in, in all of us or whatever else. They're based on the kind of social system we live in um, or previous uh, societies lived in. Uh, and and, and, and on, on the basis of that, um, more or less equality was, was able to be achieved. So that all of that points towards, well, then we need to look at the system we live in rather than just looking at men or, or, or um, uh, another section of society as the enemy. We need to look at the system itself and how society is organized uh, at this point in time to fight oppression. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy that you brought Engels in this particular book up because I think it is not, not only a crucial key text in Marxist history, but also in the, the history and the fight against the oppression of women. And I want to ask maybe a very broad question because it is not a short book, but um, what is the origin of the family then, according to Engels? So, I, I mean, a lot of what um, Engels looks at is what we would call hunter-gatherer societies, um, which is actually talking about the, the vast majority of human history, um, where there was a division between um, the types of, uh, types of work, as we would call it today, that men and women um, carried out in general. So, in general, uh, men would do more hunting and women would do more gathering. <laughs> um, partly because that allowed the women to stay closer to the um, home uh, and obviously because of um, bearing and nursing children uh, in particular. Um, and it, it was still the case that women um, did the majority um, of the, the childcare. Um, but something important that's different is that there wasn't, um, that didn't lead to a systematic different uh, value in society. All of those roles were valued. Um, and it didn't lead to material difference between the two um, between the two sexes, um, and uh, also that the, in all of those tasks there was a much more collective approach taken. Everyone contributed um, to these tasks. Everyone contributed to society in this way, and everyone uh, was then given what what they needed um, from it. And in terms of where where did it change, which I think is your question, Yara. Um, the kind of the big change was with the development of agriculture, because this allowed for the first time um, groups to be not only producing for their immediate needs, they were able to produce a surplus for the first time, um, which then led to the development of uh, those who owned that surplus and those were who were exploited by those who owned the surplus and in a you know that's that's a very condensed <laughs> version um in a much more kind of drawn out and complicated way but that's how it happened and then related from that um was the emergence of other other structures within society including the family um which uh, were an aid to that that form uh, of society. Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting point because I think today when we hear about when we hear people talk about 
know, the oppression of women, we talk about it, in, first of all, in a very specific sense to capitalism. But also, we talk about it in, you know, the immediate ways that we see the oppression, like lower wages or, um, again, the unpaid work that women do or sexual assault or sexual harassment. But, like, I think to understand that it's not only part of this system, it's part of the basis of the system and the systems that were before of kind of class society. And the basis is also economic. It's about what produces value, I think is incredibly important. And I was wondering um, if you can maybe tell us a little bit about why women's oppression started based on those economic reasons why why does surplus mean that women need to be oppressed for class society to flourish i think linked with uh, the development of surplus for the first time in history and by the way you were talking about previous uh, um, um, systems uh, also uh, showing evidence of, of women's oppression but actually if you think about the grand scale of history it's, you're talking about the last six, seven thousand years where you may have development of women's oppression. You're talking about millions of years before that, where there's absolutely no evidence of, of, of any kind of gender oppression. Um, but as surplus develops, what you get is you get a small minority at the top, basically not having to produce for themselves uh, and being able to cream the profits of, uh, of what the rest of society is producing. And therefore, you get the development of a class society, you know. Uh, and with a class society comes that those at the top would like to stay at the top. Um, and how do you do that? How do you make sure that you can pass on your wealth to, uh, to, to your own offspring? And the systems that were beforehand would have existed of kinship, of a much looser, uh, broader uh, fam- uh, idea of family, where people would cooperate uh, in, in, in broader circles, um, then no longer fit because what you're trying to do is to try and make sure that your wealth is passed on to your next generation. And that leads to an idea of, of a nuclear family that actually in the broad sense of history was never uh, there. Um, and that leads to a very restricted restricting of the role of women into from a kind of a social care uh, role where women collectively raise children, where women collectively uh, gathered and so on and so forth to pushing these things into the private sphere sphere of the nuclear family um, and where all those social care roles are pushed onto women individually as individuals uh, and that leads to uh, to women's oppression and also you see um the impact of that in terms of the points we we're making about the um, oppression of women's sexuality um because if you if men need to know who, like Cassia said, who are their offspring to pass on the property to, then you have to be sure that be sure that they're yours, <laughs> um, which leads to all the different mechanisms of controlling women's bodies and sexuality, which still uh, last until today um, from that. And also, I think that the other side um, of kind of why was it necessary for women's oppression to be linked up with this is just the, the kind of different types of roles that began to emerge um, as you had this surplus, um, that the roles that were taken on by men of carrying out this uh, agriculture, um, which involved like quite a lot of physical labour, for example, um, and also administering um, what happens to that surplus. 
uh, these were the roles that kind of, um, yeah, the, 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 these are the roles that had the power in this new de developing way of organising uh, society, which also fed into to the situation um, facing women. Yeah, and I think, I think it's really important um, to talk about this because, again, if the origin of the family is linked to the fact that men want to stay at the top and if it's linked to the fact that then there's this kind of um, the surplus of economic value that needs to be passed on, then it's inherent to the system. And there isn't anything that's going to solve it. Like the, 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 within the confines of capitalism and class society generally, it doesn't have to just be capitalism like we talked about. Then the, there's no other alternative for the system. What, what, what are they going to do without controlling women's sexuality? And I think that also connects to the fact that monogamy is so important. And I think it also connects to kind of what we talked about, uh, about how sexuality is like, connected to power in the system rather than you know either something you do for a purpose of having children or you do for enjoyment and fun which is also important um yeah so i think i think that book is incredibly important in understanding um and understanding the role of class society generally and capitalism specifically the oppression of women and but also agree with you that it's it's kind of like a key book of understanding the way that society is organized even if we're not talking about specifically women the point you made about uh, monogamy is uh, is interesting because you know it's mainly female monogamy <laughs> that is uh, constantly pushed uh, down everybody's throat historically speaking yeah um and i think linked to that one of the points about this book that Engels wrote also is that he he explains how the family or the bourgeois family, as he calls it, you know, family uh, under capitalism uh, and the way it's it's ideologically pushed down uh, all of our throats. Um, it's very much an institution. It's like a transaction uh, as opposed to actually something that is first and foremost based on love. On, you know, on mutual respect and so on and so forth. And he makes that distinction also, obviously, as, as, as all of us would do, you know, that when we're talking here about the family, we're talking about that institution and the way it's ideologically represented. We're not talking about whether we love our kids <laughs> or our partner, um, but the, the way um, the family as an institution is being pushed um, and, and, and being... Um, extremely restricted and, 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 and classified under, under uh, capitalism. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think it also connects, you know, to other questions um, that are, I think, very prominent in the last few years or even last few decades of sexuality as, you know, like sexual orientation and like gender, um, gender generally. So like, you know, if if the monogamous relationship has to exist in this way and if sexuality has to be con the sexuality of women has to be controlled then it also makes sense that capitalism and class society will oppress other kind of interpretations of sexuality or gender and anything that kind of falls out of that binary of man woman together in a family with their children so that when they die they can pass on their wealth um, so I think that that is 
another thing that kind of, I think, you know, when you read that book, a lot of the times, especially if you read it kind of earlier on in um, your, in, in, in your Marxist reading journey, um, I think it kind of, every time you read something, you're like, you feel like that meme where the, where the like galaxy brain, you just suddenly something opens up and you understand kind of a, a connection that you haven't seen before. And I think that is something that's really great about this book. And I think everyone should read it because it really explains so much. And I also think that it connects to so many other things um, that we haven't talked about. Like, for example, the fact that women, like the way, the way that kind of the gender division when it comes to labor is, we talked a little bit about how women are expected to care, are expected to do unpaid work. And all of that is kind of down to the fact that the, the, the society sees the value of women and men in a different way. Men are expected to provide labor. They're expected to provide value. They're expected to, to, to be productive. But women aren't expected to do that. Their productivity is based on caring and, and based on sex. And like, you know, this transaction that you were talking about in the family is a transaction of man provides money, woman provides sex, and woman provides care. And that connects again to the whole, you know, industry and the whole production in society and why women are pushed to those specific roles in society, even with capitalism that's pushing women out to the workplace. Thank you to Yara, Sarah and Katia for that very enlightening discussion. As I said earlier, this episode is going to be in two parts. This week, our panel discussed the Marxist view of the oppression of women, going into classic texts like Engels's The Origin of the Family, Private Property and the State. And next week, our panel will be talking about how these ideas guide our actions as socialists. They'll be addressing the record of the Bolsheviks and their approach to women's liberation following the 1917 Russian Revolution and how we can carry those lessons over into struggles led by women in the present day. And we hope to see you tuning in for that. If you like what you've heard in this episode, I want to urge you to get in contact with Socialist Alternative today. Go to socialistalternative.net where we have information on upcoming events, various news stories, our analysis, and information on how you can get in touch with us. Also go to our Facebook, which is Socialist Alternative ISA England, Wales and Scotland. For our Instagram, go to socialistalternative.ews. For TikTok, it's socialist underscore vids. And finally, for Twitter, it's socialistalt.ews. Thank you very much for listening and hope to see you next week.